With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushin Dafayin Vav, page 76. We're going to begin about six or seven lines in from the word Man Yesh Aymrim. The Gemara is in the middle of trying to figure out why is it that a, a man, Kuti, is not allowed to marry a woman who's a Kuti. So we brought the sheet of the Yesh Aymrim, who said that because they're not Bikim, they're not experts when it comes to the fine details of the mitzvahs. So we're going to see exactly what the ramification of that is. Man Yesh Aymrim, Amarav Idi Bar Avin, Rabbi Lazar. So who's the Yesh Aymrim? It's Rabbi Lazar. The Tanya, we learned on the Brisa, Matzah's Kuti, Muteres. The Matzah of a Kuti, according to the Tanakhama, is permitted to use on. Pesach. Not only that, but on, on the night of Pesach, the first night of Pesach, so in order to be Yotze, your chiyuv, your obligation to eat, eat matzah on Pesach, so it has to be matzah shmura. So the kuti knows how to watch it properly so that it's matzah shmura. Rabbi Lazar says, no, it's a problem. Because they're not careful when it comes to the fine details of the mitzvahs. They don't know about the halacha that has to be, shm- that has to be shmura, has to be watched, and therefore you can't rely on their matzah. Rabbi Gamliel is of the opinion that any mitzvah that the kuti has taken on upon himself to do it, so in regards to such a mitzvah, so they're much more careful in that even than a regular Jew. What does it mean over here in our case by Kedushin? What does it mean that they're not careful or they're not experts? They're not so expert when it comes to the matters of what's considered a good Kedushin, a good marriage ceremony, and what's considered a good get. So therefore, there will be many times where a Kuti will get married and they'll think that they're not married, but the truth is that they are married, and then they'll go off without a get, and they'll end up remarrying, and the child of that will be a Mamzer. So therefore, there are Mamzerim amongst the Kutim, and that's why we say that a Kuti, a male Kuti, is not allowed to marry a female Kuti. Because we're concerned that perhaps one of the sides is in fact besitter, is fine, is kosher, and the other side, there's mixed in Mamzerim, some kind of bastard. Now the Gemara offers a different possibility why Kuti is not allowed to marry Kutit. Amr Rav Nachman Amr Rabba Baravua. Rav Nachman says the name of Rabba Baravua. Mamzer Melchoisi, Mamzer Meishus Ach Nis Arubahen. There was a Mamzer who came from a relationship between a man and his sister, or and a Mamzer who came from a relationship between a man and his sister-in-law that got mixed into them. So that's why we're always concerned that perhaps one of them is kosher and one of them has mamzerus in the family. My Kamash what is this coming to teach us? Yesh mamzer mechavi krisus. This comes to tell us that we do have a concept of a mamzer, a bastard who comes from a relationship that would normally require that there be some kind of spiritual excision. And Rashi says this comes to exclude Mandamar who holds that there's only mamzerus from chavi misus besin from a case where there's going to be a death sentence from the courts. So the Gemara says like this, Nesichada, if that's the case, so why do we have to say both a case where there's a mamzer that came from a man and his sister, and a mamzer that came from a man and his sister-in-law? So the Gemara answers, It could be that we could have just taught you one of those cases, and that's what happened. However, we're coming to tell you that, in fact, this was the story that happened. It happened to be that both of these things, both a man and his sister, produced a child, and a man and his sister-in-law produced a child that ended up getting mixed into the kutim. Virava Amarava says, The problem was that a slave and a maidservant who had not completely, who had not been freed, and therefore when they had children, so the children could be a slave, that's who got mixed into the kutim, and that's why there's a problem with the kuti marrying a kutit. So the Gemara asks, well, what's the problem here? It's only going to be a problem because of a shivcha, because if a slave gets married to a Jewish woman, so the child of that 
union is going to be considered a Jewish person, and it's not going to be considered a mamzer. So if so, what's the problem? The problem is because the maidservant got mixed in, and when the maidservant has a child, so that child remains a maidservant, even though she's married to, or be, despite the fact that she's married to a Jewish person. So the Gemara says, so why don't we just say that one case of shivcha? That's the only problem, was really the woman, the maidservant, not the slave. The Gemara answers, again, the reason that we said both of these cases, the fact that there was an avid and a shivcha, is because that happens to be what happened, according to Rava. Masisa would begin the Mishnah. is someone who's trying to marry a woman who's miyuchis, who has very good lineage, and wants to check in to make sure that the lineage is proper. So has to check into her four different mothers, which really mean eight different mothers. We'll see what that means immediately. Ima, the first one that we have to check is this woman's mother, Ve'em Ima, and the mother's mother. Ve'em Avi Ima, and the mother of her mother's father, Ve'ima, and the mother of that woman, Ve'em Aviha Ve'ima, and again the mother of her father, and the mother of that mother of her father, Ve'em Avi Aviha, and the mother of her father's father, Ve'ima, and the mother of that woman. So those are the four different people that need to be checked, the four different uh, directions, and it's doubled over, so that equals eight. Levia v. Israelis, where we're talking about checking into a Levite woman, or regular Jewish woman, so you add on another mother to each of these uh, layers, meaning, let's say you're checking out the mother, so you check out the mother, the mother's mother, and the mother's grandmother, etc., through all of the different cases. Once we get to a generation where we see that uh, somebody had served on the altar in the base of Megdash, in the temple, so you don't have to check any further back. And not if someone's a Levite and he had served in the base of Megdash in the temple and he had been one of the singers. If someone had been a member of the sages of the Sanhedrin, then you also don't have to check. Anyone who we know that his parents had been from the Officers, the Gabet Tzedakah, or somebody who is in charge of handing out Tzedakah, Masiyan the Kahuna, you can, they can marry into the Kahuna, a Kohen is permitted, doesn't have to be worried that perhaps there was Mamzerus or some kind of Psul that got mixed in. It's not necessary to check after them any further. Rabbi Yesi says that even if somebody had been signed as a witness in these, in the old courts of Tzipori, so that also they wouldn't sign you unless you were completely clean of any kind of problems with lineage. Rabbi Hanina ben Antigona says, Even someone who is written in to the Astartia of the king, we're going to see what that means on Amad Beis. So such a person also does not have to be checked any further. Now the Gemara asks, Why is it that in regards to women we check into them, but in regards to men we don't check? When women argue with each other, so the insults that they're spewing and throwing at each other have to do with if the woman had done something wrong in, his, in her relationship with her husband. So if the, if the person herself had had some kind of psul, had had some problem with lineage, so that wouldn't be something that would have been spread around. However, when men argue with each other and they're throwing insults so then they're insulting each other with with saying that there's some kind of problem with their lineage so if there indeed had been some problem with the lineage of a man so it would be something that would be spread around and therefore that's why we don't need to check into a man but we do need to check into a woman 
Now, it's important that we point out that the question over here had been, why are we checking in to the generations only in regards to the mothers, not in regards to the men? That was the first question, because now we ask a slightly different question. Here the question is, Why doesn't she, a woman who's coming to marry a man, why doesn't she have to check into him, meaning check into his mothers? So this is a proof to the statement of Yehuda in the name of Rav. That people who are kosher, kosher women are not exhorted not to marry to psulim. Meaning, we don't have to, we, since we see that Jewish women, and specifically we're talking about kohanim, uh, daughters of kohanim, so they don't have to be worried about marrying perhaps any, any kind of psul, which is normally a problem for a kohen. So from that fact, we see that we're not as mak, we're not as careful in regards to the woman checking into the man, that's not necessary. Rav Adabar Ahava Tani, Rav Adabar Ahava learns the following. Actually, there are four mothers that have to be checked, which are t- 12, because you have three levels for each mother, so you check the mother and the mother's mother and the grandmother. So therefore you have 12. So the Gemara says, In the Bryce we have, Actually, have to go back four levels. The Gemara says, We understand in Quintur of Adabar Ahava, we turn to Ayin Vavu base page 76b. Mukim ubas Yisrael. We could say that why does he say you have to check 12 different mothers? Because we could say, like in the Mishnah, where it says that you're checking for a Levite or a Bas Yisrael, we say you have to add on a third generation. Elamasnisa neopliga. Why don't we say that the Bryce is arguing because it says you have to check back four generations? The Bryce says, it's not true. My oid achas. What does it mean in the Mishnah when it says you have to check back another generation? Or another set, zugachas means another another set, meaning the mother's mother and grandmother. That's what it means. It doesn't just mean one generation back; it means two generations back. And therefore, that's how we can explain that the Mishnah is in fact in line with the Brisa. Amr Yehuda Marav, Yehuda said in the name of Rav. Zudav Rav Meir. These are the words of Rav Meir of Al Chachamim Marim. The sages say, "Kal Meshpachas Becheskes Kashrus Hein Amdes." The sages say it's not necessary to check into every single family because we have a chazak, we have a predetermined status that says that most families are kosher, they're, they're fine, they don't have to be checked into their lineage. The Mora says, wait, Haini, is that so? Ha'amarav chama barguya amarav, rav chama barguya said in the name of Rav Mishnasina b'shakari alav irur, that our mission is talking about where someone is calling out and saying that there's a problem with the family, that's why according to the Tanakham you have to check into them. So would the sages say that you don't have to check into them despite the fact that there's some kind of irur, there's some kind of somebody saying something negative about the family? The Mora says, no, ma'anda masniha la masniha. The one who learned this statement did not learn the other statement, meaning it's true that they're a contradiction, and therefore the one who says that the Chachamim say the statement didn't understand understand that the Mishnah is talking about the case where there was some kind of error, but rather they understood that the Mishnah is talking about a case where there's no one complaining about the lineage, and the Chachamim would come to say that you don't have to check into them as long as that's so. So the Gemara says, Ikkud the that those who explain that, no, Amar of Yehuda Marav, Sudeir Rabbi Meir, that this is a statement of Rabbi Meir, of a Chachamim, that all families are, you, they have a predetermined status, it says that they're kosher, they're fine, they don't have to be checked into. Amar Cham Barguya Marav, and, and then came along Cham Barguya and said the name of Rav, and according to the sages, if someone's coming along and saying some kind of negative statement, she still has to be checked into. We said in the Mishnah that if you get back to a person while you're doing the checking, who that person had been served in the base of Migdash, so you don't have to check back any further. My time, what's the reason? He loved about Kuala, have a maskile. If not for the fact that they had already checked him, they wouldn't have allowed him to serve in the base of Migdash. And, and if we find somebody who was a Levite who had uh, been on the Dukhan, on the stand uh, amongst the singers, my time, uh, so we don't have to check why, why is that? Because Mar says, that there were people there that were sitting in the base of Migdash in the temple, and used to check in the people's lineage. 
lineage, both the Gohanim and the Lufiim. If you find somebody who had been, when you're checking, you could find somebody who had been on the Sanhedrin, you don't have to check back any further. My, my time, what's the reason? The Tanya of Yosef, of Yosef learned, just like a court is cleaned in such a way that they're righteous, so they're also cleaned from any kind of blemish, meaning, and it seems that we're talking about over here, are some kind of blemish in their lineage. Maremar says, how do we see this from the verse? You're completely beautiful, my dear one, and there's no blemish upon you. Maybe it means a, literally a blemish, as we know that in order to be part of the Sanhedrin, so you can't have a physical blemish. So Yaakov says, rather, we learn that from the following verse. The verse says, in regards to the Sanhedrin, in, regards to, in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Moses, so they shall be there with you. They have to be with you, meaning with Moshe Rabbeinu, similar to you. So we're saying that just like Moshe Rabbeinu had good yichos, he had good lineage, so all of the Sanhedrin had to have good lineage. So the Gemara asks, maybe it was different because over there we're talking about a Sanhedrin who is bringing down the Shechina and placing the divine presence, the Ruch HaKodesh, upon the certain elders. So maybe that's why it was necessary for them to have no, no blemish in their lineage. So Rav Nachman says, rather learn it from this verse, the verse says in regards to the advice of Yisro that uh, they're going to line up your load they shall carry with you so this teaches you that they have to be similar to you and we're not talking about a case over here like the previous case which was a Sanhedrin a special Sanhedrin bringing down the Shechina bringing down Ruch HaKodesh prophecy but rather we're talking about over here the uh, the Sanhedrin of Yisro which was like a, a regular Sanhedrin as far as we're concerned and therefore it is a good proof that it has to be someone who has good lineage just like Moshe Rabbeinu we said that anyone who we know that about their father, that uh, they were from the, the officers of the many. Remember the is this to say that we don't establish a, an officer from someone who has a problem with his lineage? Or a minimal bringing a contradiction. Anyone is allowed to be a judge in regards to matters of money matters. But not everyone is kosher in order to be a judge in regards to matters of life and death. But we bring on this. What does it mean? Why do we say the word hakol? All was it coming to include? Amar of Yehuda, this comes to include even somebody who is a mom's or a bastard. So we see that in fact someone who's a judge, someone who's considered an officer, is in fact not going to be somebody who has good lineage per se. Rabbi, Rabbi says Yerushalayim. What are we talking about over here? We're talking about people who had been officers or judges in Yerushalayim. And similarly, Rabbi Shimon Barzera learned the following brisa, which says that we're talking about in Jerusalem. The same exact concept that when is it that you don't have to check into them if they had been an officer in Yerushalayim. We said if you could trace back in the lineage and you find somebody who's a Gabbat Tzedakah, someone who's in charge of giving out the charity to the poor. So we said that you don't have to check back any further. My time was the reason. Came in the Inchi, since people argue with each other, so so something that happens is you can even go and borrow money even on Arab Shabbos, even on uh, Friday. So Arab Shabbos is a time when people are can get upset easily. People have a lot of pressure. So some people argue him. Isa the Ika is like call if there would be any kind of problem with his lineage. So there would be a rumor that was going around about this uh, Gabbai Tzedakah. So therefore, once you get back to Gabbai Tzedakah, 
you would know about this guy if there was some if there was some problem with him. The person who was uh, who Rav Adam Rav used to stay with to stay at his house, he was a convert. And he was arguing this ger, this convert was arguing with Rabbi. Mar Amar Ana Avidna Sarus Damata. One was saying I should be in charge of the city. Mar Amar Ana Avidna Sarus Damata. The other one said no, I should be in charge of the city. Also look at the Rav Yosef. They come in front of Rav Yosef. Amar Lehu. Rav Yosef said to them, Tanina. We learned. The verse says you shall place upon yourselves a king from amongst your brothers. All the placings that you make shall only be done from amongst your brothers. Meaning you shouldn't place the convert to have any kind of position of power. So Rav Adabar Ahava, who had been his guest, the guest of this convert, said, Even if his mother is from a, from a Jewish person, If the mother is coming from a Jewish person, even though the father is a convert, so the child is going to be considered from amongst your brothers. Therefore, since Rabbi is a great person, so you should be involved in anything that's to do with the city in regards to spiritual matters. Umar, and the convert, the one who is his host, you should be involved with matters which are more mundane physical matters. So what what Abaye said is what we see from this story is that a person who has rabbi staying at his house, he should make sure to have someone like Rav Adabar Ahava, the other Mahabekhle who knows how to find a merit for people. Rabbi Zera Matabal Buhu, Rabbi Baravua Matabal Buhu. Both Rabbi Zera and Rabbi Baravua would get involved in trying to find positions for converts. But Marava, however, in Israel, they wouldn't even allow a convert to be involved in being in charge of uh, proper weights and measures. In the Harda, they wouldn't even make a convert in charge of making sure the fields were watered. Because of this verse, which says that you have to place, if you're placing somebody in a position of power, a position of responsibility, so that's be from amongst your brothers, and a convert in this respect is not considered from amongst your brothers unless his mother is a Jew. We said, said that even somebody who was from amongst these aid and these special witnesses that were signed in the old courts of Tzipori, my time, what's the problem? Why do we say that? Because they would be very careful and only allow certain people to sign only if they had good lineage. We said on the mission that somebody who is part of the starti of the king, so they also you don't have to check after their lineage. We're talking about the soldiers of the house of David, that since they were great, righteous people, that's why they were only allowed to go out to war if they were very good, because only the merit of their mitzvah observance would be able to protect them. So that's why you don't have to check into them. Amri Yosef, Yosef says, Micra, where do we see this from the verse? They used to check out their lineage when they went out to war. What's the reason? So that their own merit, their own personal merit, and the merit of their parents will be able to help them have success at war. So Gemara says, wait, what about the person who mentions in regards to the uh, soldiers of David? This guy, Tzelek, who is from Amon. It sounds like he's a convert. Maybe it means that he came from, he was an Ammonite convert. No, it's just talking about a person who actually lived in Amon, but he was righteous and he had a uh, good lineage. What about Uriah? It says about him that he was from Chiti. It sounds like he's from that place. Maybe he came from Ches. It just meant that he lived in that place, but it wasn't that he was a convert from there. What about this person? Sounds like he was from Giti. And if you want to say that this person also was somebody who lived there and he wasn't a convert from there, 
Eti Hagiti had been somebody who was a non-Jew, and he came and he nullified the Avodah Zarah, the idolatry that had been in Ammon. So we see that in fact he was a convert. Additionally, we see that Rabbi Huda says the name of Rab. There were 400 young men that David had as part of his army. They were all children of women who had been captured at war. And they all would have this special kind of haircut, which was a non-Jewish haircut, and they would they would grow their ponytails. And they all used to sit in these wagons of Golva, and they would go at the front of all of the, the front lines. These were the mighty ones of the house of David. So what's what's going on? We see here that you didn't have to be Miyuchas, you didn't have to be somebody who had good lineage to be part of King David's army. They weren't actually involved in the actual hand-to-hand combat, but rather they just came to make a lot of noise to scare people. But in fact, in order to be part of the actual war, so you had to be miyuchas, you had to have good lineage.